0: Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell.
1: Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Today, we are starting a two-part interview and discussion on foster care. Um, today, we will talk about dispelling the myths of foster care but before we start I'd like to remind you to sign up for our weekly email show update and reminder visit our website at letstalkadoption.com and click on the free reminder button on the left hand side of the site it's free and it's easy and it helps you uh, keep in touch with us um, and let us know uh, let you know what's happening on the show and what our topics are You'll also find other resources and links to help you, whether you're seeking to adopt, or you're already parenting, or if you're hoping to reunite with a birth a family. There are past shows available for you right now as well, and also remember to send your adoption questions and parenting questions in to me at info at My guest today is Jerry Johnson. Jerry is an Associate Executive Director at Koinea Foster Homes, overseeing Koinea's Northern California operations, and has been with Koinea for almost 19 years. He's also the proud parent of two wonderful daughters, too. So, Jerry, welcome to the show. Hi, Marty. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we're going to be doing two programs here on foster care because it's our foster care um, series um, that we want to go ahead and educate um, many of our listeners on foster care across the nation. And uh, we have about 24 to 27 countries that also listen that are interested uh, with military families, too. So, I'm hoping this is going to help a lot of people. You know, we have a lot of questions that come in um, regarding foster care. Uh, some of them will say things like, uh, "Do you have to be um, an all together or a perfect family uh, in order to be to do foster care?" Um, you know what's your what's your response to that?
0: Um, I haven't met a perfect family yet. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> I
0: come from a very good family myself, and I haven't met a perfect family yet. Um, the Juno Award Cleavers don't only exist on TV. Right. Um, what we're after are people who just. Um, are very caring people who do basically are willing to do their best,
1: mm-hmm. and, just, um, and just love a child.
0: Absolutely, if they're willing to open their hearts and their homes mm-hmm. to a child, and and they're willing to take the counsel of the social workers who've been doing this forever to help them, mm-hmm. you know, foster parent the child well. That's really the most important thing: is having the willing heart.
1: Right, and we're going to share a little bit about you know what they can expect for help too. You know, uh, to to kind of teach them what to do. Um, coming up pretty soon. But do you have to own a home to be a foster parent?
0: Absolutely not. You know, apartments, that's not a problem at all. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing we advise is just for simplicity's sake, make sure you have insurance. It's just a little easier.
1: Right. Do you And did you require that so they can show some proof of insurance?
0: Um, Yeah, actually we do, especially on the homeowners, but even mm-hmm. on, on the apartments, we do just encourage mm-hmm. it. It just simplifies things right. if something gets broken.
1: Well, we're going to cover the myths today, and I know next week in our program, we're going to cover what it takes to be a foster parent. So that's going to be a really good program. And then we're going to bundle these two together together in a two-part CD that if people, um, you know, miss the program or miss one, they can always get those two. Does it cost a lot of money to become a foster parent um, uh, and continue to be a foster parent? I mean, I've been a licensed foster parent before, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is a question that comes in.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, and with, the, with Koinonia, the way we do it, um, we do ask you to front the money for, like, the first aid training, and we ask for a deposit for our orientation trainings. But once you become certified with us, we reimburse all the money you
1: invested in. So the first aid um, training, uh, which is not very expensive, right?
0: Uh, it's about $25, $35. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, have, and,
0: again, have... we reimburse that back. And, and for the orientation, we actually have people put a deposit down just so we kind of make sure they show up.
1: Right. And, and you put a lot of uh, time and energy from your staff and resources available, so I think that that makes sense. Um, and is that uh, returnable also? Or? Absolutely.
0: Upon, okay. Once they become a certified mm-hmm. family they mm-hmm. get all that investment money back.
1: Okay, great. And I know that people have to go through fingerprints, so there's mm-hmm. a cost with that. Is, is that part of that home, the, uh, the, um, getting your home study for a foster parent? Is that all included? Do people pay that up front, or do you help they with They
0: pay that? that up front, and that, again, is also reimbursable.
1: Okay, so the fingerprints are. That's great. And, um, you know, when you become a foster parent, a ch- children are going to need medical and dental care. Mm-hmm. Uh, who pays for that?
0: That's actually covered through Medicaid.
1: Okay. And so in uh, the only
0: challenging part in that finding the doctors aren't too hard. Sometimes finding a dentist who takes MediCal can be a bit challenging, but we found that if you have a family dentist and you usually ask them, they'll usually do it as a favor for your family because you know you're one of their regular customers. So
1: right. And I think I think a lot of times um, you can contact other foster parents and find out who in the area does take that too. Right.
0: Right. There's yeah networking. because all our other families who found these dentists we just interact with them. Right. And then in terms of the cost. Um, a foster parent is not an employee of a foster agency. What they are are they're basically a reimbursed volunteer. Hmm, okay. um, what happens is they put the outlay for whatever the kids need during the course of the month, and then the beginning of the following month, they actually get reimbursed on a daily rate, varying anywhere you're, depending on the age of the child and some of the challenges faced, anywhere from you know six hundred up to eight hundred dollars, or if they have a teen mom, it's even higher than that. Mm-hmm. So although you have to front the money with foster care, you basically get everything covered, and you usually have a few nickels left over to rub together at the end.
1: Right. Well, you know, you just mentioned something, too. So if, if a family decides they want to take in a pregnant mom, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our listeners want to adopt. You know, is that a conflict of interest? You know, people want to fast-track, and they go, you know, I'm going to do foster care. And they may come to you and say, I want to do foster care, but really they want to adopt. I mean, well, how do you address that?
0: The teen moms that we usually have come in are most frequently very, very committed to try to raise their child themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the children we have that are freed for adoption are just our regular foster children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a unique system in California. It's called it's called a big redesign in foster care because they found out there are way too many kids in foster care and there are way too many kids who stay too long.
1: Right. So I
0: the target is now if a kid's five years or younger, within six months they want to try to get them into a permanent placement. That can be back with their original birth parents, with extended family or friends mm-hmm. of their original family, or if none of that pans out than with an adoptive family.
1: So they either do reunification with the birth family or a, a, a member of the birth family, like a mm-hmm. grandparent or aunts or uncles, right? Um, or a, a grown siblings, or they're gonna try to find permanent um, adoptive homes for them uh, through the foster program. Now, can people come to you and say, or through a foster program, and say, you know, I wanna start as a foster parent, but I, I eventually want to adopt?
0: Absolutely. In fact, Cornelia just got an adoptions license about two years ago Mm -hmm. because we had so many of our families adopting so many of our kids, you know, and we always had to have some outside agency help us with that. So we finally got it ourselves. So um, we're averaging about – between, depending on the year, anywhere between 60 and 100 kids being adopted by our foster parents.
1: That's great. And, you know, that's, um, I know we did talk about that because you don't do independent, but you do it through your program. So you're not doing independent home studies at this point.
0: Not at this point, but mm-hmm. we frankly expect to be there within a couple of years.
1: That's great. And I think we need more people that are providing home, home study uh, services too. You, and know,
0: you'll, you will find that because the, the push for adoption now is profound. It's a federal and state and county mandate. Mm-hmm. So more and more uh Private foster agencies are going for their adoptions licenses, becoming far more common.
1: That's really great, and I'm, I'm hoping to see you know see these numbers come down because there are a lot of children in foster care right now. How many children do you have currently in in the Cooney program? I know that you have many offices and you've got a great reputation uh, in California. About how many kids? Right
0: now, we're running around right around 740 clients. Okay. Uh, we used to be over a thousand, but again, they're pushing to try to keep kids out of foster care, so that's mm-hmm. being reflected. But right. In in the United States right now, there's over a half million kids in foster care, and in California, it's almost it's over twenty percent. Ninety-eight thousand kids are in foster care right. in
1: California. Oh, and that's just it. Just it breaks my heart because these children want more than anything else to have a permanent home. Are, are aren't these? You know, a lot of people ask, aren't these kids just sweet kids whose parents are just struggling for time? You know, at this time in their life, or you know. Um, these aren't horrible, dangerous children whose parents are, are you know, or or the, the, the scum of the earth. Uh, share with us a little bit about the children that come through foster care.
0: The the county and state systems are really built to support families that are simply struggling. They have what they call wraparound services or family preservation or family maintenance services, where if it's just simply that they're having a hard time, there's tons of services that are community agencies are providing right now. That you know the goal is to keep from ever having to pull the kid out of that home. Right. And that's, that's the first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but once the child you know, gets to the point where they have to be pulled, you know, there's, there's all sorts of other services that kick into place.
1: Right. So you, we want to do that prevention, too, so that people have the skills and the, and the resources. And you know, I always encourage my listeners, too, if you know a, a family that's struggling or a single mom or a single dad, you know, offer to take the children for the day. Give them a little bit of a break. Um, you know, let them have that respite. And that was one of the things that we did as as foster parents. We were respite foster parents. So we would go in and and give a a break uh, when the foster parents needed time off or needed to go on vacation. And uh, it was was very rewarding. And so I encourage people that if, if, if the that's possible at all to, to do that, uh, you know, bless somebody else with some time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Every parent knows that they could use a breather ever right. I while.
1: I Right, every single parent, whether you're fostering or adopting or biological. You know, here's a one. Uh, I want to be a foster parent because I want a playmate for my little daughter. Is that okay?
0: Um, in Koinonia, part of the thing we really like people to be focused on is that what we really want are people who have a heart to give more than a heart to receive. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's interested in just having a you know, child just – to kind of entertain their own, it's not something that we really encourage because, you know, your earlier question is our kids, most of the kids that we have come into foster care um, have been either victims of abuse, molest, um, neglect, and there are some emotional issues that they do have to deal with. And so, you know, when you have somebody who's coming in that they need some extra attention to suddenly make them... You know, I want them to be a support for my child. It's kind of like, actually, this is the one that needs a bit more support right now.
1: Right. And I think that comes back down to educating the the families, too, to say, you know, um, why are you getting into this? And you've got to really have a lot to be able to offer and patience, too. But, you know, and not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Oh, no. But, you know, a lot of love. And I think many times... uh, Again, if you want a playmate for Susie for your for your child, you know, get some friends from from church or from school or someplace else, too. Uh, but, you know, you really think this out before you become a foster parent. Oh, yeah,
0: join, join a play group.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. And
0: part of the issue with our kids, too, that we have come into the system is they have been used.
1: Mm-hmm. And they, yes. their,
0: their radar is really up for if somebody cares about them or just right. wants something from them. Their radar is very sensitive. They're
1: very sensitive, and I've noticed that, too, too. Um, you know... Um, when if kids come into foster care, too, uh, you know, do do ado, do uh, the um, foster parents have any say so on the type of child they feel that they best can parent?
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, part of it is determined by the amount of bed space. Um, there are mm-hmm. legal limitations, two per bedroom unless you get an exception. Then and same gender over five, under five, over five rather, opposite sex can't share a bedroom. So part of it's just defined by a physical limitation. Then there are mm-hmm. other people saying. I'm really interested in working with a girl, and at this point, we think we can deal with somebody who's between eight and, and twelve. Right. Then, fine, no problem. Now we may call you about somebody else besides that, mm-hmm. uh, but it will You know, we'll definitely keep that in mind because we want to deal both with you know what right. what your perceived desires and strengths and exactly. needs are. And we want to make it the best match possible. We do not believe in, ooh, there's an open bed, let's put a kid in it. We right. don't believe that at all. That's
1: good. And I, you know, I want to share something with people listening out there. If you become a foster parent and your foster agency calls you with a situation outside your circumstances, don't chew them out. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, we find this with adoption, too. We may call on situations people oh, go, yeah. no, I said I only want, and you know, sometimes you'll call a parent and they'll go, you know what, it's so amazing you called because we were just talking about the same situation this is perfect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had one foster parent who swore she never wanted a girl, never wanted a girl, never wanted a girl. Only wanted to work with boys. I went on vacation. I came back. I found out my, my staff had placed a girl in the home. I'm going, are you
1: kidding? She mm-hmm. ended up adopting her. See, and, and I've had the same thing happen where people wanted a newborn and then found out about an 11-year-old girl and just felt like God was saying, this is the child for you. And it did it. So I tell people, you know, uh, give your social workers and your adoption workers a little bit of grace when they call. And, um, you know, and and don't come down hard on because they're trying to do their job. And, you know, with a caseload like you have of 750 kids, um, you've got a lot, uh, a lot of people that you're working with. And so, um, you know, that extra grace is going to go a long way.
0: That's one thing I really want to stress is if, you know, if we're calling you on a kid outside the range you're interested in, you say no, it doesn't move you to the bottom of the
1: list. Right. That's very important, Jerry, because uh, people do worry about that, too. You know, next week we're going to cover uh, what steps need to be taken um, to become foster parents. But briefly share with us today a little bit about, um, you know, the steps becoming licensed when people are interested. We're going to give your website out. In fact, I would like to give it out right now because um, even if you're not in California, you can learn a lot from your site. Um, your website again is a k as in um, Koinonia, f is in foster care and h kfh.org Correct. and um, so you know you've been around a long time and I've attended your you know your training many many years ago and um, before the internet was around <laughs> and um, so you know there's a lot of good information on there but what do they? What would they do? The first steps, just briefly, because we're going to cover this next week, but I want to kind of cover it now too, a little bit.
0: Yeah, they can call, either contact the website or they can call our our local number.
1: What's that local? The eight hundred number or local number?
0: Yeah, it's one. I have to flip a page on this one. Um, it's one eight hundred. Oh my goodness! I it have it right prepared. here. Um, Thank you. See, they, my
1: my uh, producer gave it to me. Let's see. It's. Um, uh, the 1-800-927-9900. So 1-800-927-9900. Sound right? Does that sounds similar. <laughs> okay, good, That's great. And again, if anybody has any questions, they can always you know, let us know here at uh, Let's Talk Adoption. So they would go to the site, they get information, um, and this is with pretty much anybody in foster care, and then they would fill out an application
0: yeah what they do is they contact for our agency we're called they call them uh, foster parent coordinators they're the ones who help walk the families through the entire process mm-hmm. uh, they sent an application and you know, packet um, they fill out some basic information now the whole process depending on how energetic the prospective foster parent is it can be done in anywhere from two to three months or you know things can drag out a bit depending on the participation right um, and coin has made because of the shift in focus in the state of California we've actually changed and every family that we have go through our our or process, mm-hmm. actually goes through a, an adoptive-ready social study.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: So if, you know, whether they're they they're pursuing that way or not at any given point, we're ready for that if that should open up.
1: Right. But, you know, another thing I want to make sure people realize, and um, we get this often, is uh, the foster care home study is different than in an independent adoption study because I know that we were foster parents, and then the next week we had to go and get a completely different home study for our adoption. So people often think they can just convert that over Um, for another organization, they can't.
0: Yeah, and actually the way we're doing it, we're actually pretty big pretty much 90 percent there we actually mm-hmm. have made it so it doesn't take much there's extra stuff that's involved with going the adoptions route but in terms of the basic social social home study mm-hmm. it's actually pretty much there that is so that way. great
1: because that saves you a lot of time uh, and what you're you know what they're doing too you know we're going to take a quick break here and we come back we're going to continue sharing about um, dispelling the myths about foster care and lots of good information from you um, today with our guests from koinonia so we'll be right back don't touch that mouse
2: All children deserve a home, and Lifetime Adoption wants to help those children find a home. If you're starting to explore adoption, Lifetime can help you learn more and find the resources you need. Lifetime has been committed to supporting birth families and helping children for nearly 20 years. They offer guidance and encouragement during and after your pregnancy. At Lifetime, open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family. Choose how much contact you want and choose how you want the adoption to happen. The choice is up to you. Lifetime is known for their caring and genuine concern for the birth mother's well-being before and after adoption. They're able to provide adoption services to prospective adoptive families and birth parents from all over the nation. And Lifetime provides you with a 24-hour hotline for support and guidance. To find out more information, visit lifetimeadoption.com. Give the gift of your home to a deserving child. Call 800-923-6784.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFIA AM 710. If you just joined the program today, we're talking with Jerry Johnson about dispelling the, the myths of foster care. Um, Jerry is with of Foster Care, a very well known foster care organization here in California, um, a Christian organization, and um, they have a lot to offer. So we, we wanted to bring him on and uh, I mean, really, uh, in this two part segment, we're doing another program next week um, on uh, what it takes to become a foster parent, too. So be sure to tune in for that. But, Jerry, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, um, what it takes, um, the steps it takes to go through the process. And, um, you know, the cost is reimbursed after you finish it. And there's not a whole lot of upfront cost. I mean, very little. Um, but if you're really committed to doing this. Um, so the process from the beginning to the very end, as long as people get paperwork back, What are you looking at normally?
0: Realistically, about two to three months, and actually the slowest part of that is we have to get the family what's called live scan. It's a computerized fingerprinting. Right. And getting approvals back from Department of Mm -hmm. Justice, the FBI, and uh, what they call the Child Abuse Index Clearance. Mm -hmm. And that's just to see if anybody has abuse issues in their background. Mm -hmm. That's the slowest part of the process, but that actually only takes a couple of weeks now.
1: That's, yeah, right. This is coming back right away because I know they do it with, with criminals. They do this. So um, with the Internet and all the computerized things, it's not taking as long anymore at all. No. You know, um, some other questions people worry about, are they're concerned about the safety of children already in the home when they're thinking about bringing a foster child in to join their family? What kind of protection and screening is done um, so that they can ensure that there theres not there aren't um, safety issues um being brought in
0: well we ask extensive questions of the county regarding the child mm-hmm. what their history is you know what the challenging behaviors are and we fully inform the potential parents of the type of issues they're going to deal with ways of dealing with it and coping with it and we give them you know basic background stuff really realistically one of the safest things is what most people are afraid of is well if this kid has been molested are they going to oh. touch my child right one of the easiest things you can do is just tell your child, and this is just good in general life, to mm-hmm. say, if anybody tries to touch you in any area covered by a bathing suit, mm-hmm. scream my name. Right. And that stops anything instantly, and that's right. just good in life in general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so there are very simple basic precautions you can take just to create, you know, little safety factors.
1: Right, and and the parents will know about this. I mean, you share, sometimes people say, well, I didn't know that, you know, this child had this background. And again, it, I guess the information is only as good as what you've received from uh, the county, and many times that can be sketchy, but other times it can be very in-depth, right?
0: Yeah, and we ask as much as we possibly can. We have like a four-page questionnaire that we Mm -hmm. go detail by detail, and we even have a section that's called the dangerous propensity section Mm -hmm. that we ask specific questions about, you know, acting out sexually, you know, if if there's any history of violence, any history Mm -hmm. of drug use. We go through all of that. Mm -hmm. you know, and we're there available for the family. We have, you know, you have a social worker that services the home and we have somebody on call 24-7.
1: And this brings me to another point too. You know, sometimes it's appropriate for a single parent, like a working, you know, a a single mother um, to do foster care of one child in the home where there aren't any other children, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, numbers of our kids have been molested by men Mm
1: -hmm. and some
0: of them just deal with having a man in the home
1: right yeah they've been so for, for
0: some to have a single mom is actually the, the safest environment we can put them in
1: yeah so you're looking for that so that's not a deterrent and, and you know single moms have to work um in most cases so would you would it be okay if the child you know is there a time that they need to be home with this child to kind of spend some time with them or yeah
0: you know, we don't mind it you know kind of a normal work schedule where the kid can be involved with it, you know after school but not a swing shift thing but if if you're super commuting and you're gone from like six in the morning to like you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night, at that point you're really not available for the child. Right. And the and child's actually being raised by somebody else.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, if you know, I know we're running close to the end of the program, but I, I have a few questions here. You know, a person that's never been a parent before, can they be a foster parent?
0: Actually, I had a young couple. They were in their early 20s, never parented before. They were spectacular.
1: Right. And how about grandparents?
0: Oh, grandparents are oh. wonderful because again, a lot of these children have been molested by their immediate parents, and the only mm-hmm. safe, fa- you know, people they had in their lifetime were their grandparents.
1: Yeah, and that's so that very works true. out great, right. exactly. And um, you know, some people are worried that foster parents are only into it for money. Can you? Is that a myth?
0: Uh, Let's put it this way. There are a few that do it, but the simple fact is you don't get paid enough to be in it for the money.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, and that's, uh, that's always very, very difficult. But, you know, you do need to have, be reimbursed for what you're doing. Um, but there's a lot more. You can't go into it just thinking about money because, um, you know, you have to have a lot of emotion and time 24-7 on this too.
0: Yeah, and the basic guidelines we have, if you buy it for your own child, you buy it for the foster child. Right. And if you use that guideline, trust me, you're not going to be in it mm-hmm. for the money.
1: So, Jerry, how, you know, at this point they can visit your site. We're going to give your site again out now. It's um, kfh.org. Mm-hmm. And, again, next week we're going to cover, you know, what, um, what it takes to be a foster parent, too. And I think that, you know, people can, you know, help these children and make a difference in their life. Don't you believe
0: Absolutely. And the need is is very, very strong.
1: Right. I think so. And I think if people are interested, at least look into it, go to an orientation and kind of look at the whole thing. Jerry, thank you for being on the show this week. And we're pleased that you'll be back with us next week to tell us more about what it takes to become a foster parent. So um, we'll see you next week. And I am Marty Caldwell. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. Remember, um, email your questions to us at info at com. And, uh, you know, we want to know what show topics you want to hear and uh, suggestions you have, too. So send them in to us because we do our calendar for about a year out. And we're always interested in looking at topics that are important to you, and uh, we want to hear those back from you, too. And remember to sign up for that newsletter um, on our site. We receive all this information free of charge to help you, um, you know, create a better environment for your adoption, uh, whether you're a birth parent, um, foster care, um, a grandparent, someone that's concerned with anybody in uh, the adoption process. So Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell at Let's Talk Adoption. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit lifetimeadoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.